Hey everyone, David here. I want to tell you about my music podcast, On Rotation. It's engaging, interactive, and insightful. Music mm-hmm. entwines with everything. It's something that always rings true to me. So when I need something to kind of root me, I can always go back to music in a sense, you know? Yeah. Join me each episode as we rotate through a number of topics and hear why it's the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Listen to On Rotation wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're listening to music, the artist has an intent when they're writing it. But when you're like interpreting it as a listener, you kind of assign your own interpretation and it can be just as valuable, even though it's completely different. Being able to express myself in a way that I thought I never could and kind of was uncomfortable doing by myself is something that will eventually lead to discovering more about myself. That's why I love music, man. It's something that lasts forever and it's never long enough, whether you're playing it or listening to it. Stances tangling So quite new a thing Hey everybody, what's up? What's happening? You're listening to On Rotation, the podcast that's always on replay and never on repeat. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is David. I'll be your host and lovely guide. After taking a pause during the pandemic... Plumes is putting out new music. This indie band has been perfecting their production skills while staying true to their songwriting roots. I sat down with Tim and John of Plumes to talk about their latest single, Autumn, as well as the rest of their tracks off their upcoming EP. I wanted to start with what you pointed out to me, Tim, when you reached out to me, is that this is, as a group, your first adventure since you've all split up since the pandemic so how does it feel to like kind of be back at it making music again um i mean i'll let john speak for himself but it feels great to me i hope john has enjoyed making music with me since we've uh, come back but yeah i mean it's been it's been super fun you know um we weren't sure like what it would look like coming back from the pandemic but you know once we got vaccinated we were like, let's let's get in the studio. We always have an enormous backlog of songs that we already have demoed that we could put into albums or EPs at any given time. And so we said, you know, let's get in the studio. John set up this whole home studio at his place in the basement. And it was honestly like the most fun I think that we've had recording since we started playing together. So it's been a success so far. And we've, we've had one show since coming back, which was really awesome. Just seeing everyone in the scene again and just getting the community back together. The recording setup was a huge step up, especially from what we'd had before. The last summer we ruined by recording during it was 2019. <laughs> we were hoping we could have ruined 2020 as well, but the world beat us to it. We were scooped. So the, the last time we recorded all of the rhythm tracks in a single weekend at a proper studio, Pink Noise in, in Somerville. So we did that concentrated work in two 12-hour days and then spent the whole summer 
tracking in Tim's bedroom in this apartment we lived in together. It was six people in a flat, you know, like one level of a triple decker. So we had to, <laughs> we, we required a lot of patience from our roommates and we spent countless days um, doing all of the vocals, electric guitar, auxiliary stuff, just all, just, you know, all manner of stuff we hadn't done with just those three tracks um, in the studio before. And we had to do that in a quiet space. So we couldn't have any AC and we had multiple people in this tiny little box. Oh my gosh. Like it's true, yeah. So it was like 95 degrees in July in Tim's room for that. Yeah, all the windows closed <laughs> or closed. Cause yeah. we were on a main road, like you could hear trucks driving by otherwise. Uh -huh. so this time we had central AC and soundproofing. It was just, it was so much better um, to be doing it. Was, it, in, it was a glow up is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And the song that you put out is called autumn, which seems very timely, even though it's kind of gotten a little bit towards the tail end of autumn. And I was just wondering with this song and with the EP itself, is there some kind of like theme you're going for with the sound and maybe with the content on the piece as well? Because I listened to it a couple of times and you just some of the lyrics, it felt like you were kind of trying to tell a story in a sense. Is that correct? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I can speak to the like content side of it and then maybe me and John can both kind of talk about the, mm -hmm. the music of it. And so for the content of it, I mean, it's, it's five songs all about the same thing, which is, you know, a relationship that I was in for, you know, going on two years. And so Autumn, I wrote like at the very beginning of that relationship when, you know, it was, it was Autumn. <laughs> you know, so I was very much, you know, inspired by all the tree imagery and stuff. I also just, I don't know, I find trees to be really like metaphorically rich. You know, there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. So yeah, and then, you know, the, the song that I wrote after that is called Loop Vines. And that's kind of, you know, as I actually wrote that for my girlfriend at the time, like mm -hmm. for her for Valentine's Day. And then it was actually just a rough version of it. And okay. then me, John and Ben really uh, fleshed it out this past summer in a way that I was really, really pleased with. And so then the song after that, it's called Pantomime. And that's kind of when I was realizing that the relationship wasn't long for this world, I suppose. I was feeling fucked up about it. And then the final song, For to End slash Here's to Then, is just kind of, you know, like looking back on it and just like the, the acceptance of how it all went down. And then there was, and then there was one song that I left out that was kind of like an intro piece oh, that we had a lot of fun experimenting with in the studio. That was, that was a lot of fun putting together musically, but it was just kind of like a third person perspective almost, um, mm -hmm. just looking at the whole situation as a whole. When did you write that chronologically, Tim? Seasons. Was that the last one you wrote? Yeah, I think I wrote it around the same time as For to End. Mm. Here's then. That's interesting, so, yeah. It's kind of like taking yourself out of the situation, like you said, and getting that third person perspective. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like the first verse is uh, like looking at where I was like right before this relationship started, like literally like the night that that relationship started. And then there's this whole kind of like instrumental middle section. And then you come out the other side with the second verse and final verse. And that's just kind of, a, you know, looking back at, all right, well, you know, relationship's done now. And here we go. And now I'm going to tell you the whole story of it in these next four right. songs. Right, um, exactly. And we had yeah. some, like, we included, like, some themes. Like, we had, like, a Rhodes piano doing the guitar riffs that appear on the on the next four songs. So 
I'm glad that I'm glad that you noticed it was you know telling a story because I could I'm, tell yeah I'm into the self-referential <laughs> yeah. kind of aspect of it you know. Mm-hmm. And then John, you had something you were going to mention. I guess Tim said you were going to mention about kind of the more nuances like of the musical content. You could say. Oh, I suppose. I mean, I was going to make sure that uh, Tim <laughs> mentioned that the uh, illusions on the roads. Okay. I think those are really well placed right after the first first in seasons, but. It's fortunate that you can fit a little piece of four, I think, pretty disparate tunes into that first song because especially loop vines and pantomime uh, represent pretty different styles from the other three songs on the EP. And yeah, I mean, I think Tim probably should say more about where he drew inspiration for each one. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that, you know, it's, I mean, it's very influenced by, you know, Hippocampus, by, I don't know if you've listened to the Backseat Lovers at all. The list of groups that you referenced in your email, I knew at least two, and the rest, I just had no clue who they were. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully someone listening will, you know, be like, oh, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Dr. Dog is a big, I think, reference point for us just across all of our music, especially with, like, vocal harmonies. But yeah, and I mean, and also, really, John, is an influence of mine in songwriting. He really like got me into songwriting. And so I think like a lot of the way that the lead guitar likes to play around with what we sometimes call little sister chords, you know, the just the top three strings um, and really getting that like kind of like chimey element in there. Yeah, so definitely all of those. And then I think like something that was a little bit different for us this time is that over the pandemic, I got this I really like Vampire Weekend, as you might have guessed from my sweater here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Ezra Koenig, uh, the lead singer from that, always posts these little videos on Instagram of him playing this like mini keyboard. Oh, okay. Um, and so I got myself that mini keyboard for my birthday. And so I got into playing a little bit more piano. And so, you know, on seasons and on pantomime, um, definitely much more piano based than we've ever been mm-hmm. in the past. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I think it's possible to overstate the extent to which the music one listens to actually has an effect on the music you write. Like right, in in right. broad strokes, it can. Like I think if you listen to Autumn or Four to End, you can hear a lot of the sort of rhythmic guitar, rhythm, rhythmic rhythm guitar. It sounds kind of redundant, but mm-hmm. in that like the strokes have kind of discrete hits as opposed to having a wall of strums. That, that I, I can definitely hear the influence of the music Tim listens to in there, but I think for me and for Tim, most of, and I assume to some extent for other songwriters, the way you write has a lot more to do with just what you're proficient at playing in the first place. Like I, I can't play most of the music I listen to and enjoy because I'm just not that good. <laughs> and I like don't know how to finger pick like the tallest man on earth or something. And then also what equipment you have available to you and what your habits playing them are. So, you know, like there's no showcase piano playing really on the album. There's like very tasteful good piano music laced throughout the tracks but like tim is pretty good at piano but none of us are great at piano but we have much better skills at drums especially and bass and guitar so and just like the way we're used to sitting down and playing and the habits just like you learn from your teachers early on and the habits you take up from learning certain songs early on i think have a lot to do with the way you approach writing and kind of on that topic too you're talking about your group's dynamic for the people that don't know what we talked about before we started recording, if you want to mention just kind of how the three slash four of you work, like there's two other members that aren't with us right now, but everyone, Tim, you kind of mentioned, everyone kind of takes 
on different hats in this group. You know, everyone kind of does different things. Yeah. So I primarily play, you know, in the, as you alluded to it, like it depends what our situation is. So I think in the studio, I play most of the guitars and John plays all of the bass and Ben plays all the drums. And then we all sing harmonies or lead and who sings lead just is determined by who wrote the song. Um, so really the, the majority of our catalog is John singing because John's a really prolific songwriter who's written like a hundred songs or something in his, wow. uh, in his life. That's so, awesome. um, 82, I think. 82, oh, we have yeah. a specific I'm, number now. Huh? <laughs> well, we have, the, if you could see the, the Google doc. You know? oh, I, oh, I bet. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so that's like kind of how we go about things in the studio. We all sing. So that's awesome that we can always, you know, throw the harmonies in there. And then we have a fourth member named Cleo, and she uh, plays bass for us live, at which point John plays guitar, and she's an awesome singer as well, and she plays piano, and mm-hmm. she can really, she could play guitar for us too if, if we asked her to. The bench sounds very stocked is what I'm hearing. Like, you know, like that expression, you're stacking yeah. the bench, your team, that's what it sounds, yeah. it sounds like you all kind of like are good players, you know, pun ben, intended, actually. <laughs> ben is definitely the most impressively like trained musician of of the four of us he he's like a he's a berkeley quality drummer okay do all of you come from a musical background or was it something that more came like later in life would you say for i can speak for me and ben ben and i actually have known each other since freshman year of high school so we're, we're both from rhode island and went to high school together we were in a band for all of high school and through the first two years of college three-ish years of college it's just, just sort of petered out but he has a somewhat musical family but he just has been taking drum lessons basically for his, his whole life and he was in jazz band and jazz ensemble all throughout high school I actually didn't really play outside of that band I was asked to join because I like played bass and they needed someone who could play bass in the, in the band but I just took lessons I I wasn't super super well trained or anything so it was really in that band where I was definitely the worst player that I learned to do everything I can do now um which is still pretty and modest as an aside that's the best position to be in in a band sure. is being the worst exactly. player yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I learned so much from being in that band with with those three other guys so Ben yeah has a has been is really well trained and has been taking lessons for a long time and our band was called Roslyn he did Roslyn as just one of a large mosaic of his musical efforts throughout those years. But that was really my main thing until college when I met Tim as we all, the three of us went to BU, uh, but Tim and I were sweet mates and Tim played guitar in high school at School of Rock in Philadelphia where he met Cleo. So I, you, I'll, I'll pass the ball off there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So School of Rock is a performance-based music education program. It's like an after-school thing. And it's like, you take a lesson once a week, but you also have, there are like these themed shows every season. And so it'll be like this season, we're doing like the music of Led Zeppelin. And then they have like 23 songs and all the students at the school of rock get like cast onto it. And, you know, you're playing guitar one and, you know, you're going to sing. And and so you like rehearse together and then you put on like two shows at the end of the season to like show all your family and friends uh, what's going on and there's like you know there are other levels to it too like there's like a house band that just kind of like plays out all the time 
to kind of promote the school. And so Cleo and I were friends through that. And um, I actually like quit guitar twice before I found School of Rock in high school. So I, I think that the performance element was really what like made it all click for me. And so, right. so I mean, I guess a similar, a similar uh, way in as you, John. I'm curious now too, when this kind of focal or like defining point came for plumes, like came for the group. Cause I was looking back at some of your stuff and I think the earliest I could find was like 2017. So is that when you started putting projects out, putting out singles, like the ball kind of got rolling? Like how did that all kind of come together? This is, this is a good story that I love to tell. <laughs> oh, good. <I laughs> even can't. though it's kind of John's, even though it's kind of John's story. <laughs> so feel free to, you know, jump in John and tell me to shut up. But sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, John and I had been friends for, you know, a couple of years in college and I went, and then, you know, it got to the point where he was like, oh, let me show you like some of the songs I've written. And, you know, he had demoed a couple of the songs and stuff. And so we had kind of like talked about, he was like, oh, my friend, Ben, like, you know, Ben, I played in a band with him in college. Like we should get together and hang out and like play. And so we kind of talked about doing that, like maybe like got together and jammed once or twice, but things didn't really coalesce until John and I were living together at a time in college when he had like met like a friend of mine and they were kind of like on again, off again, slash like not quite a relationship. It was just kind of missed connections. And, you know, John had, because uh, as I mentioned, he's, he writes a million songs. He had written a couple of songs about them um, just in our like bedroom. And then I had gone to study abroad, air quotes, in Los Angeles. And, you know, she, the, the subject of the songs had, had been gone to, and John's just trying to like get over it, you know? And I was, you know, I remember we would talk on the phone a lot and we were like, hey, let's like revisit this idea of being in this band. Like, what if you just throw together these like four songs that you wrote about Savannah and call it like Biome or something and then put it out. And then when I, when I get back, we can play some shows. And this became uh, our first EP, The Negligent Biome. And so these were all just songs that were written and recorded by John in, in our BU housing <laughs> through like GarageBand. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, basically like Savannah heard those songs. Oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I heard those songs and then uh, reached out to him and were like, Hey, these are really beautiful. You know, like, would you want to like hang out like sometime, you know? And so through. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I mean, long story short, they're, they got married a week ago. So. Um, wow. so that was kind of how it all, you know, came together. And then that all kind of happened that summer of them like getting together and falling in love and everything. And so John then wrote kind of uh, our second EP, which was Man of the Year. And it was... I wonder uh, where that title came from. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you know, kind of took the same kind of like chords and um, mm -hmm. kind of like vibe of the, of the first EP and then kind of just like told the story again, like now. Uh, so kind of just like the other end of that coin. And so I think like the first like real show that we played together as you, me and Ben was that EP release show at our friend's apartment in Austin. And then from there, we just kind of, we've been playing ever since. Yeah, we played the eight, the two EPs together. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That was not technically our first ever show. 
it was it was our first proper show. Okay. But um, <laughs> when Tim was abroad, it was just Ben and I, mm-hmm. and our friend had asked us to play this show, this like block party for South Campus at BU. And uh, I like borrowed my friends like 40 watt amp for it. Like I was ready to play this huge outdoor thing and it rained that day. Oh we no. Ended up, we ended up in this little function room in Warren Towers. It was just me and Ben playing as a duo, playing like, you know, a smattering of, of our early songs, but we didn't have a name at the time. So we, we were titled Uncle Jerry and the Meat Sweats <laughs> okay. for, <laughs> for that first for that first gig, just because our friend has an uncle named Jerry who gets the Meat Sweats. And I heard that and just put it in the, like a hoodie. That's and the exactly what I template. thought it was from. Yeah. So we played a show like that. And then we played one more as a duo at this like house show in Narragansett. Yeah. But like the first real like plumes show was that that really show, which was a lot of fun. I gotcha. I gotcha. And how do you feel about this project that you're about to release in terms of your sound? Like, do you kind of see it? I don't want to say like going away from where you first started. I always like to use the word progress. Like, do you think this EP shows like a progression of your sound and things that maybe you've done differently that you didn't do in the past? So we, I mean, John and I have talked about this a lot. I feel like we definitely think it's a step up in terms of like production quality. Mm-hmm. Um, like we're, we're super, super pleased with how it came out, like the, the mix of it all, you know, our previous uh, release to our second album, we had mixed entirely ourselves and we had gotten like some advice from friends and stuff, but we had mixed that entirely ourselves. And that was like, you know, the first time we really tried to do that and super proud of how it came out, but there were, you know, some limitations, some things we wanted to improve upon. And so we brought in our friend, Dan, Uh, Dan Thorne from Pink Noise Studios in Somerville, where we had recorded some of the rhythm tracks for our last, for our last project. Mm -hmm. And he just did an incredible job of uh, mixing this, you know, these songs that we have coming out on the EP. Yeah. So we're really excited to, to progress in that aspect of it. Songwriting wise, I'm, I'm really interested to hear, cause like, you know, I, I wrote these songs and John has written, you know, we've put out songs that I've written before. We've put out songs that Ben has written before, Uh but most of the songs have been songs that John has written. So I'm interested to see, you know, if people think that it sounds different, you know, other than the voices, obviously. But, um, you know, to me, it feels very much in the same vein as, as stuff we've been playing. But yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll have to see when it comes out. Yeah, definitely. John, what do you think? I think the presence of piano across the tracks definitely is like a pretty concrete tracking difference. We don't have piano in a lot of other work. Tim arranges more lushed harmonies by instinct than I do. So I think that will be a, a, definitely a trademark of, of the CP as well compared to other stuff is that, you know, here and there we would do pretty ornate things with harmony, but Tim really likes to do that as much as possible, I'd say, in a lot of songs. So I think that that will sound a little, that will sound fresh. And I think otherwise it'll, it'll they'll sound like they're in the same family. I think the the other trademark of Tim's might be the more rhythmic rhythm guitar playing will sound not out of place at all, but I think a bit more will sound more forefronted across the EP than it has in, in previous releases. You also shared when you released Autumn, you shared pictures of the album artwork for the EP. What was kind of the inspiration behind that? Because I'm trying to remember exactly what it looked like but it was almost like a sketchbook or something right or like a notebook something along those lines 
Yeah, so um, it was so the the way we went about the artwork was I just reached out to my friend Caroline, who's a designer and an artist, and I just like we're just we're just really good friends, and I just like knew that they would kind of like get the kind of I don't know the vibes I guess that yeah we were the going aesthetic for, like, yeah yeah exactly, and so I just told them pretty much like I I just want you to you know, I shared the the songs with them, mm-hmm. um, just the demos at that point and like the lyrics and stuff. And the, we just talked about it a little bit. And I said, I just want you to, you know, make something that you're proud of and, you know, that you're excited about. And so, yeah, they just, they were just like, I'm really into doing like collage right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we had had this kind of motif uh, for our previous artwork that was done by another one of our friends named Sophia where it was kind of like a single line aesthetic, like those two, uh, the first two EPs we put out, you can line them up right next to each other and the line goes all the way across. And like, we've sold merch that's like embroidered. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where like the kind of yarn of the, the socks and the, the bottom, you know, and the bottom of the frame, uh, came from was like a continuation of that aesthetic. And then the rest was really just kind of like pieces that, that Caroline had uh, cut out of magazines and just leaves they had picked up off of the ground and exacto knifed into the exact <laughs> like exact, like shape that they needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was incredible on this like tea stained on this like tea stained like cloth. I guess was mm-hmm. what it was all placed on. So yeah, and I just I just think it's gorgeous. So that's why I've been posting so many photos of it and the <laughs> and the process. It's so funny that you mentioned that process of just sending her the lyrics and sending her the music before or to have her like create the um the image because when I listen to it too I even said to myself I go this all fits together like so incredibly well and that's something that I always like seeing when artists put out work is like you know how does the whole like album aesthetic or piece or like EP aesthetic really fit together from the visual and the audio artwork like it's just I just, I just think that stuff's so cool, how it's all able to, like, connect like that. And I really think you guys hit the nail on the head with it. Yeah, I mean, they, I've, I've been, you know, effusively praising them in all of the, <laughs> <laughs> like, every chance I get, like, it's been so great. And I'm super pumped for these, because this is just the single artwork, so I'm mm. super pumped for the EP artwork, too. They've just put so much effort into, like, down yeah, to so every much detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a really detail-oriented approach, too their work tim and i actually were models in their uh <laughs> final mass art like senior oh, cool. was it a thesis piece or yeah it yeah like it was like a you know like a capstone project okay and they designed full outfits uh, i had like overalls and um like a crop top shirt yeah and it was all like sustainable yeah. materials yeah wow yeah, that's yeah, that, really cool yeah, like found yeah, that's items. what the whole thesis was about but they Ooh. were yeah like the pieces were very um prolifically detailed with different moments across all different parts of the pieces Mm, that's awesome yeah and i feel like that's like that's something you know with the amount of i really i liked being able to like post the all the process and like the zoom in on you know you Mm -hmm. wouldn't realize that this little piece because i mean that's that's what i would hope that's that's what i hope people do with our music you know and it's what i really love to do with music and like john and i like really became fast friends in part because we like picking out those little moments in the song that it's like, 
oh, like this, if you listen in your left ear right here, oh, there's just that <laughs> bell and it's just yeah. oh, perfect, you know? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, like people engaging with, it's, it's worth putting in those details just for yourself. But, you know, people engaging with it, you know, giving people who want to listen really closely or look really closely, like rewarding them for doing that. You know, that's, I feel like that's what it's all about visually and, and with music. Those folks are going to like pantomime the most. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. That was the one that Dan had the most, did the most work in, in balancing. Uh, I think there are, there are two rhythm guitars, three different, four different lead guitars, piano roads, drums, bunch of backing vocals, and then like auxiliary percussion. Dan also added in. It's pretty, pretty dense. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to work with. Well, I want to know too. So you have the release date of the EP, but I couldn't find a title. So is that something that's under wraps until it drops or can you share that? Uh, No, can definitely share it. So it's called Here's to Then. And, you know, that's half of the title of the last song, but obviously on like the surface level just comes from, you know, I, I want it when this relationship ended, like it ended on good terms. And, you know, I'm like very thankful for the relationship having happened. And like, I'm still friends with the person and they've been really supportive of this EP she has. Um, so that's, that's great. But when it ended, I just like wanted to kind of memorialize it in my life in some way. And so I, re- I mean, I feel like that's my favorite part of songwriting is being able to look back, you know, 10 years from now or something and really just understand the, you know, how I was feeling and how I was, you know, what my perspective was on, on different events in my life, what, you know, I was thinking about enough to write a song about. <laughs> and then just the, the phrasing itself was actually just something that a friend of mine, D.A.D. Blair, had had said to me, we were just like texting, like in the midst of the pandemic. And we were like, oh, it would be, you know, we'll, we'll get together. We wish we could hang out, you know, we'll get together soon. And they just said, yeah, here's to them. And yeah. I just was struck by just the phrasing of that. Um, oh, okay. And that actually kind of led to the, the writing of that song. And then right. it's something that I think just makes sense looking at the EP as a whole. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys, John and Tim, so much for hopping on and doing this. Like, I can't thank you guys enough for being open to sharing this with me. Before I, we wrap this up, why don't you let my listeners know where they can find you on social media, streaming services, and where they can just listen to your music and stay up to date on whatever y'all are doing. Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Plumes Music. That's P-L-U-M-E-S Music. And yeah, you can find us on Spotify, Deezer. I don't know what that is, but our publishing service is really into telling us that it's even on Deezer. Um, so yeah, Spotify, Apple Music. I have a friend Idol. who uh, does Title, so you can find us there. And we're um, we're the there's a Canadian songstress named Plumes as well. Um, oh, okay. But we are the we are the black script on. Basically, the don't background. get confused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you want a little extra material too, you can go to plumesplumesplumes.bandcamp.com for like a a more holistic look <laughs> at our discography, including the stuff that we like don't have the the guts to put on Spotify, I guess, or just like you know isn't quite up to snuff. Yeah, there are some cool write ups yeah. that John has done of of say, each release on there too. Say like so. the like the true measurable stuff, the stuff that really lets us know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you guys again so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, David. 
It's the end of the year, but music is still being released. We still got a couple projects coming out here and there, and somebody just decided to drop something kind of unexpectedly, I would say. Kali just put out a nine-tracked EP project album. I don't know. like It's it's very debatable in my mind what classifies an EP versus an album. So I'm just going to call it a nine-tracked project <laughs> called Scenic Drive, the tape. And it's there's a lot to talk about with this project that Mr. Kali just dropped. And Danielle is here to talk Hello. about it. Daniela, you're a first timer. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I feel so welcomed. Good. You should, because I know you're a fan, obviously. <laughs> I am on rotation's number one fan, 100%. Love that. Love to hear it. We love our fans over here. <laughs> and the reason I asked you to come on is because I know you've been following Khalid for a while since he debuted and you're kind of, well, you are a fan of his. Like, would you say you've been tracking him throughout his he's only put out two albums so he's had kind of a short career would you say you've kind of kept up with him even with this project that he put out yeah definitely I always love Khalid because he's so reliable with his music I know exactly the kind of vibe that I'm gonna get when I turn it on it's the perfect vibe for when you're driving late at night or Mm. just trying to relax wind down you can throw it on and you know that if it's Khalid, it's going to be the perfect mood to just relax you and calm you down. Mm-hmm. And I think like the biggest thing with this project that he put out is it does just that. But to me, when I've listened to it over and over again, it's just it's one of those projects that you can tell he's just talking about smoking weed pretty much the whole time. And just like but that is like his whole vibe, like this whole aesthetic. He's very much this young person that's just about having a good time, like chill, turning up, like whatever it is. He just wants you to have a good time. Yeah, I mean, this album does get a little bit more mature than his previous albums, and he does get into some stuff that Mm. are a little deeper. Like, for example, the main thing about this album is it takes you through the journey of a relationship, Mm. and it starts off being in the honeymoon phase, moving into the problems that he had in his relationship, and then eventually it ends with him moving on into another one, and Weed is definitely one of the themes in the in this album. Yeah. He does mention it a lot. And in the first relationship, it's kind of used as a way to calm him down and to medicate himself and to just feel better about the situation. But mm-hmm. he ends up not needing it in his new relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the songs that he really talks the most about that is on, well, at least to me, what I caught was in Backseat, which I think is like the second or third track. And he's like, you know, talking about pulling over to the side, airing out the car, like, you know, typical things that like teenagers or young people do when they're smoking and don't want to get in trouble with their parents. But yeah, like, I think you're right. Like that analysis of using weed as medication, as he basically says to kind of cope with things like that is a theme that he mentions. Exactly. Yeah. And backseat's a really cool song on the album slash EP, whatever you want to call it. It's really cool because it just really showcases his storytelling abilities. That's one of the things that reasons why people love Khalid so much is because he's such a great storyteller. And with that song, you can really picture yourself just being in the car and driving with him. You know exactly what's happening. You know the vibe of him and the two other people that are in the car, his girlfriend and his girlfriend's friend. Mm-hmm. And you can just picture your visualize it in your mind as if you're there. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to mention the bigger picture that we're kind of dancing around is the name Scenic Drive itself. 
is actually a place in El Paso where Khalid actually talks about being a fundamental area for his music career. And in an interview he did with Zane Lowe, like he talked about El Paso being a place where like he wrote his first song or like he really started to hone in on his craft. And Scenic Drive was one of these places that like he grew up going to and driving around with his friends doing exactly what we just described. So I think that's like a huge component to think about too is just this is another instance of Khalid like giving us a window into his life and into like his childhood in a sense. And like you mentioned to you, Danielle, like the whole thing about him like maturing throughout the project or as we go through it. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of cool because El Paso, he's mentions throughout interviews that he doesn't really have a home because he was a child in the military and his parents were both military. So he's, and I think he lived in Germany for a year or two. And El Paso is kind of the place that took him in. And he considers his home, even though he never really had one. It's the closest thing he has to a hometown where people just accept him and recognize him. So it makes sense why the album has some references to the place that he considers his home. Mm-hmm, exactly. And the lead single off the project that he put out a little bit sooner to when this dropped earlier in December was present. and. He talked about it in the interview too with Zane Lowe, how it literally is what it sounds. And when you listen to the track too, it's very direct. It's just talking about just taking the time to like be present with people and be in the moment and take advantage of that time. Cause he mentioned it, he linked it specifically with the pandemic and saying like, you know, we've been separated from people for so long and some of us are just starting to get back together and have like in-person interaction. So just take the time to really be present with someone and enjoy the moment. Exactly. Yeah. It's cool because if you take the song out of the context of the album, it can kind of apply to any part of your life. But then if you take it into the album, then you see it's like the first song of the album, the first part of the relationship that he's in. So it's that honeymoon phase where he's everything's happy and he just wants to spend all of his time with the person he's with everything Mm -hmm. he just wants to be present with them and if you take it away from that too it can apply to any part of your life which is really cool Mm -hmm. where on the album do you feel like it starts to take that turn in the relationship where you said it kind of you know something comes up or he starts to realize something isn't right here I feel like pretty much right after present I think there's okay, only yeah. one song <laughs> where he is happy and in the honeymoon phase and soon after that with backseat you're kind of mm-hmm. starting to get the vibe that these two people are not right for each other they're just mm-hmm. not meant to be they don't seem to be on the same page about anything in backseat she's very she's having an existential crisis and they're just in two different places in their lives and he's just trying to relax and stay calm and stay cool. He also doesn't seem to like her friend. I was kind of getting that vibe from him. He kind of throws some shade at her and saying that she talks a lot. So it just seems like starting from there, Khalid's realizing that the person he's with is not necessarily the right person for him, but it's only the beginning of the thought. So it's not going to lead anywhere at that point. And I really, really like the track after that, which is Retrograde, because for me, speaking from a sonic perspective and kind of hearing the nuances of the actual music and the production of the album, to me, that track has like the most Khalid sound sound, if that makes sense. Like he always kind of goes for these really funky and like 
alt pop arrangements. But a big thing with this project too that he mentions is he's kind of going in more of an R&B direction. But when I first heard Retrograde, I was like, this sounds like something from like, you know, either one of his first two albums, like American Teen or Free Spirit. Like it just had that really signature, like Khalid stamp, you could say. Yeah, definitely. I think he's always had R&B influences and it's something that he's definitely aligned himself with. But you could definitely see that in this third song on the album. And I know I might be more familiar with the collaborators than you are. I'm not sure how familiar you are with like black or like- I didn't know a lot of the people that Mm -hmm. he was collaborating with, but I really liked them all. And I'm definitely gonna have some new music to listen to, which (laughs) I'm excited about. Well, it's funny because I was in the same boat. I didn't know like half of the people he was collaborating with. I knew like black and I knew Lucky Day and Keanu Lede, Mahi Jordan, like Ari Lennox, like, it was funny too, because in the interview with Zane, like he unleashed this like celebrity list of people that are gonna be on this project. And Zane like lost his shit. It was the funniest thing. I loved it. And it's because like Khalid doesn't, I meant to look back and see like just how frequently he does do collabs, but he I feel like he typically doesn't, you know, like I don't think he really opts for collaborations too much. Would you agree with that? I think he'll definitely collaborate with people on their albums. Mm-hmm. Um, he will definitely be singles. There have been many singles that he's released. I think Billie Eilish. Actually, Alicia Keys was on this album in the introduction, and she he also came out with a song with That's her. Right. So I think he will collaborate with people when it comes to their stuff, but when it comes to his, he's a little less likely to, which was kind of a surprise when pretty much every song I think there were maybe two or three songs that did not have another person on them which was really cool and he says that he only collaborates with people that he really trusts and believes in their music and gets along with as artists so Mm -hmm. you know that anyone he's with has the Khalid stamp of approval it's someone (laughs) that he really appreciates as a musician oh yeah and I just like I said I loved loved some of these collaborations specifically for me and I guess we'll kind of skip to the bottom here because I just loved Scenic Drive, like the last song on the album. I just thought like that song was such a bop. It was so catchy. And something for me that I like to look for when it comes to a collaboration is hearing that person just like completely take over the track. Like it just sounds like everything else just like fades away. Like whoever the album's name is under, like they're not even there anymore. Like And that's the moment I got with Ari Lennox because I love her and I love her voice and she just has such a distinct sound that as soon as I heard her voice, I didn't even know if she was on it until I heard her voice. And then I was like, holy shit, like this just got interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Right at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's well, that's another thing too. Like the album, like it ends on that song, which is kind of like a high note for me, but like it also feels like there's more like, right? Like, don't you think there should be more after it? Yeah, because it was only, there were including the introduction, there were only nine songs. Mm-hmm. So it definitely makes you feel like there should have been another couple of songs. And I would have loved because I don't think there was a single song that I did not like on this album. Um, I definitely had my favorites, but every single song I would listen to again and gladly listen mm-hmm. to again. And what I, are, I listened to the album all through like five times. So Yeah. I was going to say, what are your favorites then? Or one of your favorites? My 
absolute favorite song is Brand New. I mm. loved Brand New. That one was so good. Even when I was just listening through the first time, not paying attention to the lyrics, I was like, okay, this is the one. This is the one for me. I think Khalid and Quinn's voices just meshed so well together. The contrast that they have with his very deep voice and her mm. higher one, they just so well together. And also it's one of the only two songs on the album where you hear the perspective of the ex-girlfriend, which is really mm-hmm. cool. It's just right. about their fights that they had and you get to hear it in live time, what they were fighting about. It was really cool concept, a great idea. And it by far my favorite. Yeah, I like that one a lot too. And I didn't even know who Quinn was either. So that was another one of those instances where we get exposed to another artist and he's someone that has that kind of star power now where he could easily expose lesser known artists or more up and coming artists to his audience, which is obviously very global and very, very massive. I wanted to ask you, cause I didn't pick up on this literally until I just listened to the album before we hopped on this call. So open, which comes a few tracks later with Mahi Jordan. If you listen closely the cadence from brand new, like the main chorus, is mixed into the music and open. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I like just caught it, like I said, not that long ago. And Ooh. I I love like that kind of concept where artists and producers will like mix in something that happened earlier in the album to something that happens later. Cause like it kind of I don't know, like it's an interesting concept to think about them going back and mirroring something that already happened, especially when you have like a story like this that's being told. It kind of like depicts that idea that as Khalid is like going through this journey, he's thinking back to that time like that that song represents. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't even know that. Notice that. And I'm going to have to do another listen and look out for it. He (laughs) did something like that. In his introduction, he you could hear in the background some mm-hmm. of his older songs off of his first album. So cool. And honestly, such a little bit of a flex, which rightfully <laughs> so, he deserves it. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to bring up the aspect of the intro and playing those older tracks from his old work. To me, like when I first heard that, I kind of thought it signified a departure from his older music. And as he's ushering into this new like project this new era which he also mentioned in the interview writing this ep was like his means of getting back into writing music and that he's potentially working on an album i wouldn't quote me on it but like that's at least what he hinted at (laughs) so i love like that whole concept of you know he had said it had been a while since he like wrote anything since he put anything together and scenic drive really helped him hop back into the saddle like do you think the intro kind of signified that as well or did you get something else from it I can definitely see that and especially because it was all muffled and it sounded like he was playing it on his car radio as of course scenic drive I could definitely see him looking back on his past and kind of playing it as a memory or recording and going into his new part of his musical career and even symbolically driving into it in his scenic drive there we go. There, Danielle likes <laughs> puns, everybody. We have to like pull up. <laughs> what else do I want to mention? What else? What else? Oh, yeah. The only other track, I think we've mentioned almost all of them, but one track that I really, really love, not just because it features another one of my really favorite singers, Kiana Lede, is Voicemail. 
because I also like this concept that he addresses, which is to not mention the name of the song in the actual song, but to kind of let the song show the concept. And the concept voicemail that translates through the lyrics in the song is Don't Keep Me Waiting, which essentially like a voicemail is kind of a double-edged sword because it like signifies you could be waiting for somebody to get back to you, but you're also like still reaching out to tell them you're still here. Definitely. And what was cool about that song was the song right before it, All I Feel Is Rain, it literally led into that song. Yeah. It was so cool. You could hear in the very end, the him dialing the phone. And then as soon as he's done dialing, it flows into the next song where he's leaving the voicemail. And I was like, oh my God, what a genius move. <laughs> Come on, that was great. I know, I love, there's so many albums too that I've listened to that intentionally do that, where it's like you have to listen to it track by track to get those kind of nuances and those transitions. I freaking love that shit. Like, I just, I love and it. If you listen, yeah. And if you listen to the whole album and you get that flow that he has going on, you can kind of see how in the beginning there, it's not really as much of a flow, but in the end, there's definitely a, more of a flow and you can kind of relate it to the fact that he's now having clarity in his relationship and in his life. And he's understanding things more before there was more of a disconnect. And then as the album continues and he understands what's going on in their relationship, that the two people are not meant for each other and he moves on into his new relationship, it just flows together very nicely. And so you can have that symbolic meaning behind it as well. Wow. Good analysis there. That was great. <laughs> Thank you very much. You must have done your research or something. <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> or something. Well, something else I want to bring up too, that song open that I mentioned with Mahi Jordan. He's actually worked with Mahi Jordan before. I don't know if you knew that, Daniela, but they had another track put out, I think two or three years ago now. Actually, it might have been sooner than that, called Caught Up. And it's also a very, Mahi Jordan is another one of these artists that's very well known for creating this very vibey, very like darkly tinged alternative R&B. So I thought they just fit in so well with Khalid and especially with his voice and his style that it was just, to me, it was like a dream collaboration. Yeah. That was a really great song. It was so sweet and it was just a very much a feel good song. So I definitely agree. That's probably up there on my favorite songs of the album. Mm, yeah, I could see. It's really hard. Like it is hard to pick one, you know, because they all do. They all stand alone, but they stand together and they're like a mighty troop. They're a mighty swarm of songs that just depicts this great story. Like we've mentioned this whole time, like it just it all goes together so well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I want to ask you, like, what do you think this means for Khalid moving forward? Like we mentioned, he kind of talked about this album being a means of him getting back into music and potentially putting out more work. Do you think he's going to, like, continue down this path, like this kind of sonic experience? Or, like, what do you think this could mean for him moving forward? Yeah, I think he's going to continue down this vibe that we're getting with this album. He, I think he's really Exploring and he's found himself as an artist. He knows his strengths, which is storytelling. And he knows that he can draw people in by having the audience relate to the experiences that he's had. So I think it would be a very smart move on him to continue down this path. 
I haven't heard, I think, a single bad review about this album. Everyone has enjoyed it from what I've heard, at least, and what I've read. Mm-hmm. So I think that he is definitely going to continue putting out content similar to this. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, too, because like we've mentioned, actually, we haven't really touched upon this too, too much, is just how young he still is. And he debuted with American Teen when he was 17, and it just blew up. And then, you know, Free Spirit was also really big. And he had an EP in between that like was also like really big. Like, he just keeps catching fire with whatever it is that he puts out and to me he's like in this class of like younger artists that are just like taking over the world right now and he's he's very much at the helm like he's leading like all these other young artists that are just looking for their shot to just be their authentic selves and I can see like yeah I think he's maturing through his journey but he still holds on to like that younger innocence in a way definitely yeah I mean he is so young so of course he's still gonna have some sort of innocence and it's cool because we are around his age so we are also maturing and growing as adults with him so you know how sometimes like people will say oh Zac Efron my taste in men has changed (laughs) as Zac Efron has grown older he's just stayed my taste in men that's kind of like with Khalid where you're my taste in music and my experiences are growing with him so it's very cool to be an audience member listening to I agree. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever seen him live? I forgot. No, I haven't, but I would love to see him live. Next time he goes on tour, I'm Mm. buying a ticket. I'm Uh, going to. Yes, I would love to see him. I heard he's so good. Yeah, I feel like he would be such a great performer. And I I think it would be such a fun concert to go to. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to see. Hopefully he'll bring that into the present. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Had to go we out. Love with to see it. <laughs> well, Daniela, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It was so good to have you finally. Of course, anytime. I'm glad to be on. I know that you on me. Hey, tell me that you want me. And that's the rotated review. Want to join me for the next review? Send in your suggestions to the Podcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Make sure you hit that follow button while you're at it. To read this review fully, see my blog, or listen to past episodes, log on to onrotationpodcast.wordpress.com. And now it's time to take a look at what popped this week in news. In honor of its upcoming 20th anniversary, Avril Lavigne is adapting her hit single Skater Boy into a film. Lavigne confirmed the news on the She Is The Voice podcast saying, quote, I'm actually going to turn this song into a film and take it to the next level. Details and casting have yet to be announced. Travis Scott has been removed from Coachella's 2022 lineup. This comes after more than 60,000 people signed a petition to remove the rapper after 10 people died following his World Festival. The Harris County Medical Examiner's Office has ruled that the victims died from compression asphyxia. And Billboard has released its list of the greatest pop stars of 2021 with Taylor Swift taking the top spot. The magazine said Swift, quote, rewrote industry rules and had one of the most impactful years of her storied pop career. Lil Nas X, Adele, Doja Cat, and The Weeknd rounded out the top five. That's going to do it for this episode. Feel free to tune in next time when we rotate through a whole new slew of topics. In the meantime, keep it real, y'all. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.